Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Trending with Timory. And as you can probably tell, I'm not Timory. My name is Patrick Conley. I, yeah, I fill in from time to time on various things here around uh, Relevant Radio. I've been on the inner life filling in for Josh Raymond there. I have a local show that I host that's aired locally in the Twin Cities called Practicing Catholic. You can certainly... Log in and listen to any of our podcasted interviews there. It's at practicingcatholicshow.com. But I'm pleased and privileged to be able to sit in for Timory tonight. Uh, it is especially uh, uh, not my usual time for being on the air. So I am excited about this, uh, being a night person by nature. I'm, uh, I'm uh, ready and raring to go here. So thank you so much for tuning in and joining us here on Trending. Well, I want to start out tonight with thanks on behalf of Timory for all of your prayers, all of your prayers for her, her baby, her family. As you may have seen in her latest social media posts, they are headed home from the NICU. So, so grateful that God has been generous in answering prayers there. And thank you. I think you probably know this, but uh, Relevant Radio and Trending with Timory, it doesn't go on without you, your support. And that support doesn't only come in material ways. It also comes very much in the spiritual ways as well. So we are so grateful for you and your prayers. Thank you for that. Well, Thursdays here on Trending are usually dedicated to marriage. And tonight we're going to be looking at something that has historically, especially through the last century, been a profound threat. Yeah, a profound threat to marriage, to family, and to the understanding of the family being the core unit of society. When I was growing up in the 1970s and 1980s, you know, the threat of nuclear war, particularly between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, of course, it pervaded the headlines and the thoughts of many people. And uh, as it kind of saturated through the adult environment, it made its way down to us as kids as well. There were conversations, I recall, around the dinner table about what was going on and um, what would happen if somebody decided to press the button, right? I remember actually the often talk about uh, the nuke and fallout drills that were happening in schools. We even used terms that would be derogatory to communists and communism to deride our classmates on the playground. We would call them names that would refer them as if they were part of that movement. But, you know, the threat of communism didn't really hit that close to home. Or did it? Tonight on Trending with Timory, we're going to look at one woman's story of being sucked into American communism and its profound effect on her life and how she even helped further its widespread reaches into American society, particularly in education, in religion, and the family. Before, 
She, thanks be to God, eventually converted to Catholicism, and she then spent her efforts at dismantling the influence that she once fought to further. The woman I'm talking about is Bella Dodd. Whether that's a household name or not, whether you're familiar with that name, stay tuned because we're going to be actually finding out quite a bit about this woman. Joining me tonight are the co-authors of a new book, The Devil and Bella Dodd, published by Tan Books, Dr. Paul Kengor and Dr. Mary Nicholas. Dr. Kengor is an edit, is editor of the American Spectator and professor of political science at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. He's the author of many books, including A Pope and a President and, and his latest, The Devil and Bella Dodd, and a frequent guest here on Relevant Radio. Dr. Kengor, welcome to you. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. I'm excited for the hour ahead. I really am. And Dr. Mary Nicholas, a retired physician and research librarian, she was active in the University Faculty for Life and has contributed articles to the American Thinker as well as Canada Free Press. Dr. Nicholas, thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you so much. Well, I and having looked through the book and um, being absolutely just enwrapped with this woman's story, I'm really excited to get into the story. But before we get into that, I want to start, Dr. King, or perhaps we'll start with you on this one. I want to get, uh, want to get into it, but first let me ask you, where did this whole project begin? Where where did you start thinking about this, and and where did it um, where did it come together as this this needs to be told? Well, that'd probably be a better question to, to start with Mary. I mean, for Mary, this has really been a lifelong subject, a devotion. She's been fascinated with Bella Dodd uh, for for many many years, well, longer than me. And 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 in my case, I knew about Bella Dodd, and I know we're going to get to this. We'll spend a lot of time on it because of the alleged statement from her that she had helped place, quote, over a thousand communist men, unquote, in Catholic seminaries. Right. And I did, um, yeah, I did, I did a book called The Devil and Karl Marx, where I had a full chapter on, on Bella Dodd and just that issue, because a lot of that book, in, in fact, Patrick, people were surprised. They said, I learned a lot about Karl Marx from that book, but I had no idea that the, lo- the longest section would be about the infiltration of churches. And, and, and the communists had thoroughly penetrated and, and were very aggressive in going after the mainline denominations, the Presbyterian mm-hmm. Church, mm-hmm. Methodist Church, Episcopal Church. And I, so, I mean, it was really just <laughs> shocking what yeah. they did there. And so I spent a lot of time on that, and I talked about um, what they at least tried to do with the Catholic Church, and, and that was Bella Dodd. So, so Bella Dodd was involved in that. So that's sort of how I came to Belladot as a lifelong student of of communism. As as a I'm, I'm a convert to Catholicism. I came in in April 2005. Came into the church then. Very nice. But um, but I should kick it over to Mary because yeah. because she, she goes back much further with Belladot than I do. Okay. Well, Mary, over to you then. Where where did it all begin for you? Well, I think uh, I had a a very solid background from my education and also from my mother who was following uh, communism really incredibly uh, focused on it in the 50s, trying to, 40s and 50s, trying to prevent communism from coming into our country. At that time, it was sort of sidelined. Although we we learn to our dismay that they had a lot of things going underground and whatever that the ordinary person was not aware of. Mm-hmm. So when things began to happen 
in the church. I was living in Connecticut at the time, and um, I couldn't believe what I was hearing in churches, in the pulpits. So I decided to um, do sort of a, a survey, and I'd go every Sunday to a different church, and I brought earplugs with me because I didn't want to be contaminated. And so every Sunday I'd go to a different church, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I said to myself, this is not the Catholic church I grew up in. Mm. So I kept searching and looking and whatever, and I kept coming back to communism, even though it was not (laughs) politically correct to even say the words at that point. And I thought, well, how can we really explain this? And who would be a representative example of what is going on? And it turns out that Alice von Hildebrand lived near me in Connecticut. In, she lived in upstate New York. And um, I was sort of frantic by this time. And I, I needed to talk to someone like, what is going on in the church? And... Uh, so I wrote to Alice, and she said, oh, please come up, come up, we'll talk. And Alice had been a long-time fr- friend of Bella's and uh, her husband, Dietrich. So they had met several times. Uh, Bella used to speak at different occasions with Dietrich, and the two of them would come together, and they would say, um, how is this possible? How is this possible that the United States has gone from being a free country to a country contaminated with Marx? And on one particular occasion, this uh, modern sister got up and Dietrich was explaining the problems with Marxism. And she said, well, we don't have to worry about Marxism. And and at least fascism has been uh, curtailed. And Dietrich said at that point, he said, then you know how propaganda has succeeded in this country. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, they considered uh, Hitler and fascism a major problem that had been stopped, but they did not consider Marxism a really danger to this country. So I just kept pursuing and kept visiting with Alice and different people and finally got the um, the true picture of Bella, and she's a, a she's a true heroine. She, I'm so glad her story is coming out because she's really a heroine. She went through hell trying to get this information out. They gave her trouble at every single point, and uh, it's a miracle that that all this has finally come out. Uh, well, we are grateful to you and your efforts at this. I mean, it's it's an amazing read, and like you like you were both saying just there, just the the far reaches that it had into American society. I had no idea, and particularly, I think one of the things that really struck me about it was that there was there is, um, I mean, the influences both in education as well as in the church is uh, absolutely amazing. Um, so that's. That's one of the things we definitely want to get into. But before we do that, let's um let's back up a little bit and introduce us to this this woman. Who is Bella Dodd? Um, maybe from her earlier life, Doctor Nicholas. Maybe we'll start with you on that one. 
Well, um, she was an immigrant from Italy who came from a very small uh, village there, was exposed to nothing of the modern world, as it were. She lived, uh, her mother uh, found herself pregnant when she went to visit Italy and decided to have uh, Bella delivered there and brought up there for a couple of years, which would not have been that unusual at that time. And then she would come back and um, bring her to this country. So her early life was, um, the the stepfather, you could say, was a simple shepherd, you know, in the hill country of Italy. She had no, no exposure to modern society or anything. And then her mother came back to pick her up and took her on the boat to New York where her sisters and brothers were waiting for her as well as her stepfather. And uh, all of a sudden her whole life changed, really, because she went immediately into the public school system. And even at that time, it (laughs) it was not what you would call infiltrated, but it certainly was not pristine and was not representative of early American education. Mm. Okay. Very good. Dr. Kangar, any any comments that way? I mean, what, what struck you about perhaps the early years of Bella Dodd? <clears throat> well, you, you know, it's, it's interesting, Patrick. So, so she's born in, in April 1904 in Picerno, Italy, and, mm-hmm. and she had the the, the, the pretty Italian Catholic name, Maria Assunta Isabella Visono. I mean, oh, what could yeah. go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you know, Maria Assunta, which, which, you know, which is named for the Assumption of Mary, the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Isabella, Bella means beautiful in, in Italian. Um, the, the, the literal shepherd who took care of her in her early years when her parents were, were, were in America called, called her Karina. Which means pretty in Italian, so so it's all it's all going so perfectly well. You know, the communists talked about utopia. Well, well, you know, utopia. The actual Greek origins of that word is otopos, which means no place. Mm. And as Pope Benedict, you know, God rest his soul, and others have pointed out, the problem with communists is they thought that you could have a utopia on Earth, but you really can't. <clears throat> but I must say. You know, little uh, Isabella Vasono came pretty close to having a utopian childhood, but but she came to New York with with her parents and her very large family. She had uh, Mary could could clarify this, but I think Mary, her mother, had had nine children, I believe, right? Or maybe correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. Be, before Bella was born, and and that was to another husband who had tragically died, yeah. and and she met this this other man. Who who married her, and they? She I don't think she ever wanted to leave Italy, but but he did. He wanted to come to America for for opportunity, you know, the, this country of prosperity and free markets, and a you know, and a, and a chance to make it for yourself. It's really what so many immigrant families did. In fact, my my mother is a hundred percent Italian on her family. They all came over about the same time, and eventually, when when Bella came over, I think about the age of four or five, she comes to New York and, and she's very precocious, picks up the English language language right away. Her sisters are amazed at how intelligent she is. But but she gets swallowed into this socialist milieu 
in in the New York public schools. Eventually, when she goes to college, we we cite in the book a 1948. This is considerably later, but a report from the FBI that said uh, half of the Communist Party USA members in the United States lived in the city of New York. Mm. I, so you you had you had thirty thousand Communist Party USA members in the other. 99.999% square miles of America and, and all the other half were in New York. Yeah. So yeah. so she gets taken in by that, went to Hunter College, went to Columbia University, uh, became radicalized at those schools. The same thing happened to Whitaker Chambers. In fact, Mary and I refer to Belladot as a kind of female Whitaker Chambers. Um, it happened to Thomas Merton when he went to Columbia. So there's a kind of warning going forward here to Catholic parents listening today, which which I say on relevant radio all the time, yeah. <laughs> on Drew Mariani's show and others' shows. You know, be really careful about where you send your kids to college, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was really college that radicalized her. And then in the 1930s, she started working for the party very um, very aggressively. She was a master organizer. And yeah, an infiltrator of the teachers' unions. Out of 10,000 members of the New York State Teachers' Union, she placed somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 Communist Party members. Mm-hmm. So, so she became this master organizer. She later formally joined the party and became a card-carrying member in 1943. And at that point, she might as well, because everybody pretty much knew who she was and what she was doing. She couldn't conceal it anymore. But she started working for the party early 1930s and would continue so until she got um, quite disgruntled by it in the late 1940s and eventually left or was purged or pushed out in 1948. Yeah, yep. Well, we definitely want to get into that. We want to hear a little bit more. I it, I want to follow up just with a, with a quick question here. We're coming up against a break here, but I, I did want to ask, uh, maybe, Dr. Nicholas, back to you. So um, it, it, one of the things that strikes me is that, you know, she's relatively unknown. And yet, and yet as you as you have said in your book, she was at one point the the top woman party official in Communist Party official in the U.S. And uh, that's pretty staggering. And yet it was this dedication to serving or fighting against social inequalities, social injustices. That's really what swept her in initially. Is that right? I think that's a good way of putting it, and I think the other half of that question um, is why were Americans so naive Mm -hmm. about what was going on? There's a quote by Bella, which I think says an awful lot, and it could apply today, too. If I send you a machine gun and tell you it is a baby carriage, and I send it to you wheel by wheel and nut by nut, and you do not know until you have assembled the thing that it is a machine gun and not a baby carriage. That is exactly what has happened to this country. We are being sold machine guns without knowing it is machine guns. She said that in 1956. Hmm. Wow. Well, great quote right there. But thank you for that. And we're going to have lots more about this. We want to hear, of course, about some of the some of the ways that she did work. Um, initially to spread the Communist Party influence throughout uh, throughout education and seminary, as, as we've heard already some of that. But then we're going to start focusing on what drew her out of that and back to the Catholic Church. This is Trending with Timory. I'm Patrick Conley. We're going to be back right after this. Don't go away.
You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Timory this evening, and we are talking about The Devil and Bella Dodd, a new book by Tan Books, published by Tan Books, by Dr. Mary Nicholas and Dr. Paul Kengor. Uh, and the story of Bella Dodd and her, um, her, I suppose we could say, descent into communism, American communism, and her laboring for that party until uh, the Lord got a hold of her and um, pulled her out of it, and she returned to the Catholic faith. And we want to get into the conversion, but just a little bit more. Um, Dr. Nicholas, talk about uh, a little bit about how Bella had um, such influence or where she saw this influence, particularly in the realm of education. Dr. Kenger was talking about, you know, be careful of where you send your kids to college. But um, this has ramifications for today, certainly, as parents are trying to decide um, what do we do about education of our kids not just at the university level, but even sooner, even earlier? Oh, I think that's a very important point. Um, thank God many young parents have started homeschooling, which was pretty new uh, until a couple of decades ago, I think. But um, I don't I don't see how any parent in good faith could send their children to a secular school at this point in history, perhaps if they've been homeschooled and are going to a (laughs) reliable Catholic college. But before that, I just don't see how it's possible. They are so inundated. They are so brainwashed. And the one who brought this out in particular was a Father John Harden. I don't know if you've heard of him. I think he's venerable at this point. He was Mother Teresa's, um, what do you call it, confessor. And he did a lot of study on communism and gave a lecture, I believe, in Moscow on the effect of communism in um, on the education system. And he made no bones about it. This, this, you, you... The word atheism literally means against God. So you're not just like, let them be, you know, live and let live. It's against God. And if it hasn't shown its teeth yet, it's just because it hasn't yet come to that point. But um, they make no bones about it. This is what they're after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and the influence has been widespread, to be sure. Uh, just reading through the book, it's astounding um, the amount and, and how it was t- specifically targeted it, it, that, that schools, teachers' unions, talked about um, the National right. Teachers' Union and, and her influence there and, uh, and the influence of the, of the Communist Party there. Dr. King, a little bit different uh, question for you, but um, related is that, you know, recently in in and about kind of some of the societal ramblings, especially uh, in in social media posts and things like that, and especially as election seasons come and go, we're starting to hear more again about socialism and um, socialism and communism. Can you just give us a little bit of a, of a how they're related to one another? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and to follow up on what Mary said about atheism, meaning literally against God, uh, there's a favorite quote from, from Marx, a uh, Fulton Sheen quote, 
um, a, a favorite quote by Marx that Fulton Sheen liked to quote, and that is, is from Marx. Marx said, communism begins where atheism begins. And so it was understood that communists were atheists, that communists were against God. And according to Marx and Engels and Marxism-Leninism, and I could go through all the different theoretical frameworks and books where they say this, and Vladimir Lenin did a book in 1917 called State and Revolution, where he, he held this out to be the definitive work on communism, Marxism, Marxism-Leninism. And they said, and Marx and Engels said, that the difference was that socialism led to communism. So all of history would go through this dialectical process, these different stages, from feudalism to slavery to capitalism to socialism to communism. Mm. So basically, socialism was the final transitionary step to communism. And the Catholic Church understood this. I mean, our church got this right away, which is why popes from Pope Pius IX, when he published Qui Pluribus, 1846, two years before the Communist Manifesto was even published, Leo XIII, um, Pius X, uh, uh, condemning socialism, communism, modernism, the syllabus of errors, um, Pius XI, Pius XII, all, all the different popes. And, and it, was, it was Pius XI in, in Quadragesimo Anno on the 40th anniversary of, of Rerum Novarum who said that no Catholic can, in good conscience, be a socialist. You cannot call yourself a Catholic and a socialist at the same time. Now, today you have many young people who will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a communist, I'm a socialist, and that's, and that's not as bad as communism. Or, or, the, or the new take, well, I'm a democratic socialist, <laughs> right? Uh, but but you know, socialism is socialism, and, and certainly in Bella Dodd's time, and Bella Dodd understood this very, very well. In fact, she was told by Alexander Trachtenberg, who was the head of Soviet GPU in the, Uni- in the United States. He said, we can't use terms in America like socialism and communism because those have been speared too much. Mm-hmm. If we will use terms like progressivism, liberalism. That's what we will use to take America, but take it we will. So it was a matter of using different, more palatable labels and Bella, Bella liked the Communist Party. Bella Dodd was a master at that, which is why she, she was involved in so many front groups. And the whole idea, Mary can talk about this, of front groups. The, you know, they, the Communists created all these groups. I mean, they would never call themselves like you know, the American Masses Group for Marxism-Leninism in New York City, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> they had groups like, they had titles like the American League Against War and Fascism. Oh, well, who could be against that? You know, the, the American Peace Mobilization. Oh, well, yeah, who, who could possibly be against that? But they would put words like democracy, progressive. They'd use buzzwords like social justice, academic freedom. Bella Dodd said, oh, yeah, democracy. They use that word all the time, democracy, democracy, democracy. But they mean a totally different thing with it. They mean you know, economic democracy, economic equality, meaning like forced redistribution where everybody gets paid the same, you know, Marxism, Leninism. So they use these key words. They're very deceptive, very deceptive, very dishonest. And that's one of the things that really bothered Bella Dodd because, and Mary will back me on this, she always had 
a conscience. We all do. But but she had a, a well-developed conscience and sense of what's right and wrong. And when she found herself putting documents through the shredder, you know, at, at the rap Coderre hearings in New York and, and lying for the party and deceiving, uh, she eventually described it as dealing with the devil himself and trying to extricate herself from the party. She described as trying to break away from the devil himself. So, so you know, all of those things really, really bothered Bella and were, were, were key factors in her leaving the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Uh, Dr. Nicholas, any, any uh, response, especially about that kind of semantic manipulation that was going on about how, what terms that are going to be used? And, and uh, I mean, a lot of this is sounding uncomfortably familiar. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that, I, think, is, uh, I think that's part of the reason that Americans have been lulled to sleep. Their, their program was very effective. And if people could not think for themselves or had some kind of background, this all sounded very, very nice, very palatable. So um, it's not all the people's fault for what has gone on, but no one poked through the, the records to find out, well, what did they mean by that word? In other words, the word peace meant world socialism. You know, you could make up a dictionary with what these words really meant to them and to us. So um, let's just say their program was very effective, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's what it, that's what it seems, absolutely, uh, very much so. Uh, since Thursday is on, here on Trending with Timory, oftentimes talk about, um, we, we focus in on marriage and especially, I'd like to pull out a quote that you have here in the book from, Pope Pius XI, um, from his 1937 encyclical Divini Redemptoris, which said of communism, it says, Communism makes of marriage and the family a purely artificial and civil institution, the outcome of a specific economic system. It's particularly characterized by the rejection of any link that binds woman to the family and the home, and her emancipation is proclaimed as a basic principle. I'd just like uh, you, you each to comment on that. Dr. Nicholas, maybe um, what, what does this reveal about um, the communist understanding of, of marriage, of family, and of women, of wives, of mothers, and that sort? Well, um, Marxism denies any sacred or spiritual character to the human life, including marriage. Um, that was one of their primary targets. There are no moral bonds of marriage. Um, marriage is strictly a legal entity under the state. Mm. And within that, they had already begun feminism and the, the emancipation of women. So you're starting your, quote, marriage with something that has no spiritual or religious significance, but only a legal state significance. Mm -hmm. And within that, the woman is emancipated. So she's like on her own. Um, It's it's truly amazing. It's truly Mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. Dr. Kangor? Well, and this is really a central part of Marxism-Leninism. And, and the Communist Manifesto literally says, and this is a direct quote, 
abolition of the family, exclamation mark, even the most radical flare up at this infamous proposal of the communists. So, so they, they said that in 1848. For, for young people today who say, oh, communism's a great idea. It's about sharing and helping the poor. Uh, well, read the book. I mean, it, 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 it talks far less about ideas like sharing and redistributing wealth than it does about abolition, 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 right? Abolition of all morality, religion, absolute truth, private property. You know, one of the quote, one of the quotes is the entire communist theory may be summed up in a single sentence: abolition of private property. Mm-hmm. But but they talked about abolition of the family. Marx and Engels wrote about this. They wrote a book called Origins of the Family, which was printed in 1885. So so this was utterly endemic, central to the core of Marxism-Leninism. Right. When, the, when the Bolsheviks took over in 1917, they immediately made, made abortion completely legal, widespread. Mm-hmm. It exploded. They, 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 they took, they, they, um, they, they made divorce legal. It had been prohibited by the Russian Orthodox Church. Divorce exploded. And, and Bella Dodd, man, this Patrick really hit her. Because, because she longed to have a family. She came from this big family, this big Italian family. And she said, I wanted to have children, but the communists dissuaded me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the, communists, the communist thing to do was, that was, was, first of all, live together and not get married. Don't have a sacramental marriage. Don't get married in the church. And then if you do, have an abortion. When Whitaker Chambers, when he did get married and his wife got pregnant, first thing he thought of was abortion. Um, the, the guy that Whitaker Chambers exposed, Alger Hiss, Alger Hiss's wife, Priscilla, who helped him spy and steal all those documents from the State Department, she had an abortion and, and, and couldn't have children after that. It, it scarred her um, physically, mentally, emotionally for the rest of her life. So, so you know, this was yet another thing about communism, the ideology and the way of life that turned Bella away from the movement and the party. Yeah, this is this is speaking of abortion. This is one of the most arresting uh, quotes that I came across in the book, and and there's many of them. But uh, you say that, or it, you write that by 1920, abortion was made fully and legally available and provided free of charge to Russian women. The number of abortions skyrocketed, as you just said, Dr. Kangor. But by 1934, Moscow women were having three abortions for every live birth. Mm-hmm. And you comment on that. Shocking ratios that American women in the worst throes of Roe v. Wade never even approached. Yeah, never. I think the worst of Roe v. Wade, it might have been um, one abortion for every three births. So the so they had completely flipped that in the Soviet Union. It got so bad that Joseph Stalin banned abortion because he said, we're not going to have a country left. And then after Stalin died, Nikita Khrushchev brought it back. In fact, Leon Trotsky had reprimanded Stalin. He said, you know, you can't be a good communist and ban abortion. So Nikita Khrushchev brings it back. And then by the 1970s in the Soviet Union, according to official Soviet health ministry statistics, they were averaging in the Soviet Union seven to eight million abortions per year. Seven to eight million per year. We in America were were about one to two and million, and and we had we had a larger population, not by a lot, but a larger population. 
So you talk about, to borrow from a phrase of John Paul II, a culture of death. I mean, that was it. And and they they thought that they were doing, they were following communist ideology. To this day, the countries with the worst abortion rates are either communist countries or former communist countries. Cuba, Romania, North Korea, and of course, China. So, so, so this has long been a very destructive ideology at, at all levels of human life from, from, from the womb to the tomb. But it makes total sense because, again, another quote that you offer from Bella Dodd herself, she said, the basis of the Marxist socialist approach to the family is its philosophy that, as you were saying, Dr. Nicholas, that persons are only material with no spiritual dimension, no soul. That's the quote from Bella Dodd herself. We're speaking with Dr. Mary Nicholas and Dr. Paul Kangor, co-authors of a new book out by Tan Books, The De- Devil and Bella Dodd. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about what drew her out and then what happened to Bella Dodd. So we are going to just take a short break, but there's good stuff coming. So stay with us. talking about what you're thinking about you're listening to trending with timory on relevant radio and the relevant radio app welcome back to trending with timory my name is patrick conley in for timory this evening thank you for joining us my thanks go out to jim shapers on the board for us tonight thomas angus are giving his services as well john henry and the whole timory trending with timory team um and uh, again thanks and prayers out to timory herself as, uh, yeah, they are on their way home. We're speaking tonight uh, with Dr. Paul Kangor, as well as Dr. Mary Nicholas, who are, are uh, co-authors of a new book out by Tan Books, The Devil and Bella Dodd, about communism, really, and communism's influence here in the American uh, in the American society and the fabric they're in. But, um, of course, we uh, in our last uh, part of the show here, I want to make sure that we get to her redemption, because the... Uh, the subtitle of the book is One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. So, Dr. Nicholas, let me uh, let me start with you in this. Um, maybe kind of just just paint a picture for us as, and, and her movement out of communism and back towards the Catholic Church. Well, uh, Bella is really what you could call a miracle of grace. Um, she was totally dedicated to that atheistic uh, communism. And there were a few attempts that she made to get out of it. And one person said to her at one point, Bella, nobody gets out of this. Mm-hmm. You're either thrown out, you're, you're dead, or whatever. But nobody gets out of this. And um, she was a pretty tough woman. And she was really at the point where she didn't care. She, she would not do this anymore. So at one point... I forget who exactly she was working for in the party, and she took her keys and threw them across his desk and said, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And um, walked out to her, to her uh, talking about her courage, because not many people would do that. And shortly after that, they brought false charges against her of how she was not... Uh, 
democratic enough that she had failed the party, et cetera, et cetera. So in the midst of her coming to this decision to leave, they brought charges against her and brought her up uh, with the party to condemn her. Luckily for her, they threw her out of the party before she could get out. Mm -hmm. So this was a very interesting time because you can say, well, she's glad she's out, but she had dedicated 20 years of her life, day and night, to the party. So it was a big blow. And um, so she had to start a new clean slate, as it were, but she knew that they would go after her and bring more charges and possibly threaten her, which is what they did. Um, she she used to work as the attorney for the Communist Party. And one man told me that she used to take a limousine from Connecticut, and I haven't been able to trace this, from Connecticut, pick her up, bring her down to New York where she would work for the party as an attorney. Well, when she was thrown out of the party, she had no work. And she had no means, of, no way of making uh, a living. So they ransacked her apartment. They took all her papers. And she was really left destitute. I think at one point she was uh, working as a dishwasher and a babysitter. There was no way she could make money. So um, she went through a really hard time to extricate herself from the party. Yeah, it's it's difficult to even imagine how difficult it might have been to to get one out of the party. Like you said, many of them, I, as I understand it, many of the folks who tried to do that ended up dead, quite frankly. Um, but uh, she, she her life was her life was spared, thanks be to God. And she was able to come back into communion with the Catholic faith. Dr. Kangor, um, any response to that as well and to and specifically how she came out, how she became to live? And what did she do once she was out of the Communist Party? Well, it was like leading a cult. And, and you know, the party expelled you. and They didn't want you to leave the party. And when she did in 1948, she got a phone call from an Associated Press reporter who said, Dr. Dodd, I've got a, a statement here from the Communist Party. It says that you are anti-Puerto Rican, anti-Negro, anti-Semitic, <laughs> just kind of you know, on down the line, right? Mm-hmm. And just you know, I'll check off all the boxes, right? And 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 she said, I have no comment. And and she recognized right away the smear, you know, the the art of character assassination that, frankly, she had engaged in herself against others. She said they turn you in some kind of turn you into some kind of a monster, and that and that's what they did to her. So that began the process of dehumanization for her. And the only thing that really pulled her out, she she was she was depressed. She was didn't know what she was going to do with herself. She she was in she was at, at Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. in 1951 visiting with her congressman McGrath. And and he said to her, he said, Bella, you look troubled. Isn't there anything that I can do for you? And she said, no, I've got the KGB following me. I've got the FBI following me. Uh, I I just don't know what to do. And he he said, would you like to see a priest? And and that really struck her, Patrick. And and, and she said, yes, I would. 
And Congressman McGrath turned to his secretary, Rose, and said, Rose, see if you can get Monsignor Sheen from Catholic University on the line. And they arranged for her to go over, and, and, and they contacted him, and he said, yeah, send her over to my apartment. And that evening, she went over to his apartment. She knocked on the door. He opened the door, and, and she said it was amazing. It was just like on television. <laughs> he had this giant <laughs> pectoral cross, and, and he said, Dr. Dodd, welcome. I'm so glad you've come. And, and, and she said, if, if it had been the communists and the way they treated me, you know, he would have said, you old bag, you know, you old Bolshevik hag, what are, what are you doing here? Get out of here. But he was all mercy. And he put his hand on her shoulder while she wept. And he said, he said, there, there, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and after about 15 minutes, she doesn't even quite remember how she got there, but she remembers being in front of a statue of the blessed mother in his private chapel. And, and he handed her a rosary and said, I'm going to be going back to New York in the winter. You know, why, why don't you come to my offices and I can give you instruction in the faith. Yeah. And, and it took a few more months of kind of agony and wandering and you know, time in the wilderness on her knees. But she eventually took him up on that. And she was brought back into the faith on April 7th, 1952, in St. Patrick's, Patrick's Cathedral. Um, thanks, praise to be the God, through the intervention of, of Bishop Fulton Sheen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, and that's what she calls the most wholesome and definite climax of her repudiation of her communism. She herself mm-hmm. wrote that. What a what a wonderful story. Again, the book is uh, The Devil and Bella Dodd, written by Dr. Mary Nichols, Nicholas and Dr. Paul Kangor, uh, published by Tan Books, and it is well worth the read. I want to commend it to um, to all of our listeners as well. Just in our closing minutes, um, I just want to ask you both, too, um, what's the take-home? What, how does this apply to especially uh, our families, our marriages, and our living in the U.S. today? Dr. Kengor? Well, I, I think the one message is that you need to be well-informed about what's going on out there and you know, what, what is genuinely evil. I mean, a lot of people try to chalk these ideas up to some sort of rationality, right? Well, how would they believe this? How would they believe that? That doesn't seem to make any sense. Bella Dodd, when she was asked who's behind this global conspiracy, she, she said it was Lucifer. It was the devil himself. She saw this as an actual spiritual battle. And when, when she was sorry for what she had done, Bishop Sheen, she said to Bishop Sheen, you know, I want to join the most penitential order on the planet and spend the rest of my life making reparation for my sins. And he said, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go warn the world about the dangers of communism. And as Mary can attest, she became this fearless, courageous witness. I mean, to again invoke another famous phrase of John Paul II from the New Testament, be not afraid. She was unafraid. And she went out there, warned the world, and we, we need to continue to follow her warnings today, and I think follow her example of being a courageous witness. Yeah. Dr. Nicholas? Yeah, um, I, I think that's all true and important. However, I think in all the fluff and niceties of being politically correct, we forget that we are a Marxist country now. There's a, 
the quote also from John Harden in 1998, in the light of what we have just seen, can anyone doubt that the United States has been deeply infected by Marxism? However, I believe we can say even more. Our country is a Marxist nation. Dare I say more? The United States of America is the most powerful Marxist country in the world. But ours is a cultural Marxism with all those niceties and fluffing over of uh, socialism, communism, etc. You you rarely hear those words spoken so that we are lulled to sleep in terms of what is going on right now. And all of this at the hands of a movement that, of course, at its very core, as you said earlier, Dr. Nicholas, just is against God. Is It's just turned not just its back on God, but is actually fighting against the, the even the idea of there being a God, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, it has definitely been a fantastic show. I thank you both so much for your efforts, your many efforts in putting together uh, this sort of book and ask ask that, uh, yeah, our listeners, again, check it out, The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. Dr. Mary Nicholas and Dr. Paul Kangor, thank you so much for joining us here on Trending with Timory. May God bless you richly, and thank you for uh, for all of your work and all of your insights. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. Just add one quick thing. Of course. There's a wonderful documentary. I think I've seen it 20 times. It's called (laughs) The Soviet Story, uh, made, uh, designed by somebody, I think, either in Russia or one of the communist countries. It's available free on the Internet, The Soviet Story from 2008, and it's definitely worth watching. Okay, the Soviet story. Got it. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank you much for joining us here on Trending with Tim Marie. God bless you. All right. Take care. God bless. Well, my name is Patrick Conley, and I'm so grateful. I hope you were able to catch most of the show. It was a fascinating conversation uh, about this book, The Devil and Bella Dodd. If you missed any part of it, of course, you can always go back and listen online, relevantradio.com, and through the Relevant Radio app, you can find podcasts of all Tim Marie shows and all Relevant Radio shows right there. Coming up next, of course, we've got the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky himself. So I pray that you would uh, stay tuned for that and pray for America. Uh, Pray for the rest of the world as well, that we would continue to live and move and grow in uh, the freedom that God has given us. Continue to pray for Timory and her family as well. That's all from me. So grateful again that you've joined us here on Trending with Timory. I'll be back with you soon as Timory continues to be on maternity leave, but we are grateful for all of our prayer supporters out there. God bless you. Stay tuned for the rosary.